guy doing it for 500 bucks, you know, the concept that I wrote was a, you know, a $2,000 production. Um, for the guy doing it for 500 bucks, it's not going to look the same. Um, and, and second of all, it's like, if I would have done it for 500 bucks, it's not going to look the same. It's not going to be work. I want to put it out there. Um, so, and you know, I just, I just, I think I just hope at the end of the day, I just hope that, that guy, cause I was that guy once. I hope that, that guy like, you know, two years from that point, he might be like, yeah, might be saying the same thing about some guy doing it to him. So, um, it is a problem though. And I, I do encourage people to understand your skill level, but also understand your worth and your time commitment. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Good DP. On this episode, we have a Tennessee-based DP by the name of David Pearsall. David has filmed various music videos for artists such as Nate Rose, Alexis Ayana, and Eric Tyler, just to name a few. David has created short films, YouTube how-to for content creators, weddings, and aerial travel photography as well. Today, he joins us to talk about his early journey into the film industry, the state of content creation in Tennessee, and the importance of collaboration. Let's get to it. So basically, man, tell me, how did you get your start into film? Like, what made you pick up the camera? Uh, man, it was, a, it was a number of different things. I mean, doing broadcasts, like, you know, like high school broadcasts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did that for a little bit, but like, it was always one of those situations where like, I wasn't really interested in journalism or like telling the news. I was more interested in telling a story or doing something there uh, or the art part of it. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, for sure. So yeah, like my first year in college, I started writing some scripts and stuff. And like, they are all terrible <laughs> as expected when you're first time writing scripts. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I was like, you know what, this is, kind of a lofty goal to write a script and make it right now. So let me just try to work on the camera and see what happens. Um, and then fell in love, dude. Started with photography and then on to like shooting videos, which I, I quickly realized that for me personally, video was just like, could be taken to another level um, as far as like career path. Um, as, because, you know, like with the extent of like how, how uh, needed it is in the market world, I was like, hey, this would be, something that not only I can be artsy with, but I can also make some money with and not just like, you know, you know, there's different areas of like, uh, of, uh, of, of this industry, you know, you have like, let's just make a living or let's just make art or let's make a, let's do art and then make a living plus some, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm pursuing right now. Um, but that's, I think since, since day one, that's always like been my motivation. It's like, let's make art, but also like provide for myself and whoever I love. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, it's like every day is like a thin line between how to balance between those two. It's like, you know, you got to pay the bills, but then it's like, oh, I want to be still creative. And then that creative scope for that, especially since everybody's going to watch it and it's always tied to your name, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, and I'm sure, you know, it's like, uh, sometimes, Sometimes you just gotta like go for the money. That's just just how it is sometimes. Um, for sure. But uh, but yeah, I think that's the kind of what's great about the industry, man. Is like uh, you know, there is such a like video is like considered the form of uh marketing. It's the form of like advertising, um, which is cool. And like you can be creative to a certain extent, but like, but yeah, like it's one of the few art forms I think that where you can like. I mean, I think advertising in itself is an art form, but like. Um, it's one of the few art films where you can actually make some money. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So I guess that leads me into another question as far as like, uh, I know you're based in Tennessee. Um, I've seen you travel. So I know you travel, you're traveling DP as well. Yeah. Um, for Tennessee, what has been the market in Tennessee for filmmaking and production that's kind of shaped you into, um, I guess going further into the industry, collaboration, uh, collaboration in Tennessee as well. How's that shaped you in that market in Tennessee? Yeah, sure. Uh, specific, that's kind of that's an interesting question. Um, specifically in Tennessee, uh, well, I now live in Nashville, so so the uh, what's definitely shaped me here in Nashville is the music scene. Mm. Um, but I've only been here for a year, and I think you know what makes you know. I know you live in uh, you're in Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, I think I lived in Atlanta for like a half a year. Um, 
And I think the difference of those two were like, um, was definitely the film or narrative uh, Hollywood-esque industry difference as far as like, one is like, let's, uh, you know, Atlanta's like the new Hollywood almost. Um, For sure. And Tennessee really isn't doing that. Uh, Nashville's not doing that. And where I used to live, Chattanooga's not really doing that. It's mostly, man, I think it's really, it's really, uh, it's really based in, and music videos and uh, commercial work. And that, that goes back to marketing and advertising and stuff. Um, so that definitely has shaped me. Um, and it's and it's interesting because I live in Nashville where like everything is country music, yeah. but I shoot a lot of rap videos. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like, honestly, um, I don't know if it shaped me at all. <laughs> but, uh, dude, I think specifically in Tennessee, man, it's just being on the East Coast. Uh, the way we operate as far as filmmakers is a little different. Um, and you might be able to relate to this. You might not be, but like, I know I've, I've traveled, uh, to, uh, to like to LA, mm-hmm. um, a couple of times and I've been out in different countries and stuff like that. And the way that like film, like the, the pre-production, the, uh, the, the actual day of initial photography is like always handled a little differently. Um, the East coast, I feel like, uh, the way it's, it's different is that specifically it's, it's a more laid back environment where like, as, as, compared to like the West coast, um, and LA and stuff like that. It's very, uh, it's very, very down to the, I mean, they've been doing it for years. It's yeah, very like, yeah. you gotta do this. You gotta do that. This is how it works. You gotta meet this person and this and that. And the East coast, man, it's like, we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's kind of good. I feel like it's kind of good for us to do that. Um, and it used to be a time where you had to go to LA to make it in this industry. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, I don't feel like that at all, which is, great time to be alive to be a filmmaker on the east coast <laughs> it's funny you say that too man because um or at least put it in that terms uh you know we always kind of know the difference between like filming on this side of the of the country and it's kind of like hey everyone's kind of grasping learning as they go um i know personally i'm a youtube baby like everything i learned as far as filmmaking oh. outside of books was literally youtube Film riot, sure. everything. So, but I never heard it kind of like put it down into like regional aspects like that. So, I actually, I might steal that one for real because I think it's very true how there's kind of like a relaxed culture here as far as pre production, but then it's so competitive in LA and that's the standard. It's kind of like a guideline that everybody goes to. I want here, you're trying to remind everybody, hey, let's kind of you know, sit down and plan accordingly or plan this shot or plan, what is it that you actually want to do? Um, dealing yeah. with that, you know, what you shoot in a lot of music videos, um, how do you go into your pre-production phase with your artists? Um, so recently, uh, yeah, music videos is, is, is music videos are a lot different from uh, narrative films or a commercial work is, you know, it's, uh, you have, a, you already have an original piece of content. It's like the script is your, is the music. Um, Right. So, and with the, in the recent wave of uh, music videos have been very artsy and been very like very reserved, not reserved, but very um, compact and almost like, it's like, wow, these things are getting pretty, pretty great production these days. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before it was just, it was just a marketing piece, but now it's like, it's a, it's a huge marketing piece. Like everybody's watching YouTube now. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. Um, so the way I go into it, man, it's like, I go into it with that mindset. I go, what is the, best way to uh to tap into what's popular right now is the best way to capitalize on that um so for instance you know a lot of people are doing the are doing the uh the, like the the kin i call it the kendrick lamar era uh, of music videos. Uh. Um, <laughs> where it's like dude like it used to be you know very cinematic and it used to be very uh very uh i'm trying to think of the right word to i i, I try i try to stay away from saying cinematic now it's <laughs> like how to make your footage look cinematic everything is cinematic but, um, but you know as well as i do yeah. cinematic versus uh versus what you see in like music videos a lot of a lot of the popular music videos days is a little different yeah, um, yeah. it's almost like it's like photographers get their hand behind a, a video camera and make a and make it it's it's interesting interesting but i kind of go in there thinking with that mindset mm-hmm. and i communicate with the artist and I see what their vision is mm-hmm. and I kind of try to bring my own aspects into it as far as like my style. And yeah, man, it's, it's not, I write, I do visual treatments. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is industry standard for music videos. For, so like, for uh, not to cut you off for our, our younger listeners, 
what um, we're for your visual treatment. Are you grabbing these screenshots from other films, other light references and sources? How do you go about your visual treatments? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I do. I do that a lot. I grab uh, references from some films that are similar to the style we're going for, mm-hmm. and I also in music videos. Obviously, if it's a visual treatment for a music video, I grab a lot of music videos that we've drawn inspiration from. Um, and sometimes I'll even link some some back back to my own work. That mm. is something similar to what we're going to try to do as far as like if it, if it be color or, or composition style. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time it is uh, very, very Hollywood film referenced in there because that's just the best of the best. But uh, yeah, and it, it's it's important for me to make it and this is, I think, would be a useful piece of advice. It's important to me to make it very short and straight to the point mm. because it's um, it's a very competitive environment. Mm-hmm. Music videos are, uh, you know, people don't stop making music. A lot of people don't think about it that way. Uh, That's true. It's like, you know, when you think about weddings, um, you know, people don't stop getting married, so there's always weddings. But people don't really stop making music either. Um, that's what's cool about music. And it's like, you know, it got to be very straight to the point because there's a lot of directors who are sending visual treatment to these labels. So one piece of advice I would say, dude, is like, dude, make it short, straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Pictures is everything. Mm-hmm. Pictures and uh, very like broad statements because the story can be told. The story can be told in the, between you and the artist and between the crew and between the talent. Um, the story can be told there. Mm-hmm. Music videos. Um, you just got to you just got to put give the artist something to look at, something that they can take away and say, my music video is going to look like this. Cool. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. That's cool, bro. So I guess more on the business side of things, how do you handle, I guess, being hired? So if someone, an artist is reaching out to you and they want to hire you for um, a music video, how, what's your initial process for that? So on the, so let me think, um, I, I, it's usually like a, I have to figure it out client by client. Um, because just cause the differences in budgets and stuff, mm-hmm. but, uh, if someone inboxes me, um, and before I go into that, actually, to get more clients, um, to actually reach out to, to uh, rather than just getting clients via word of mouth, um, it's important for me to like reach out and mm. just like artists that I want to work with, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, and when they, and when we finally get to a point where we want to make the video, mm-hmm. um, I tell them my my rates and stuff like that, and I tell them, hey, this is what you know, this is the rates that that we do, and anything outside of that rate will be will be um, tacked on and that'll be our budget. Hmm. Um, so then at that point, once they pay a deposit, I, uh, I like I go ahead and put the treatment together mm-hmm. and I go, this is what we want to do within the budget that you feel comfortable with or what they told me before. And I go, and this is what we want to do outside of the budget and this is how much it'll cost. Hmm. We give them two different options. Okay. Um, and usually, and, and you might be surprised, like a lot of people are like, if, you, if they really like your work, they'll trust it and mm-hmm. they might even spend a little bit of extra money. And then it's your job to deliver. Um, as far and as far as business goes, man, yeah, it's like very straight to the point, very honest. No, no BS when it comes to like talking to the clients because mm-hmm. you, you, it's it's uh, you're way more respected that way. Mm-hmm. I, I feel. Um, I know when I first started, it was a lot of, uh, you know, I'll do this video for three hundred bucks um, or five hundred dollars. You know what I mean? But like, in there. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. And, and then they might negotiate still. And I would be like, yeah, sure, man. I'm just trying to get my name out. But now it's like, hey, man, yeah, if you can't afford it right now, that's fine. Let's talk about it in the future once you, you, know, once you feel like you're ready to do a video. And I feel like uh, you're way more respected in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then what happens is you have a, a, you have a feel-good feeling within, your, within yourself because like someone might come to you two months later and go, hey, man, I got the money now. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. It's like, wow, this person really waited to do this. So yeah. that's kind of how I like to go about it, man. Kind of stay, stay true to myself, mm-hmm. stay true to what I believe my, how my worth is, mm-hmm. while also um, making sure that uh, that I'm uh, reaching out to clients that I feel like I want to work with that are kind of shape my career path. Well, now, when you spot a client that you potentially want to work out with, we'll stay in the lines of music video right now. What are you normally sending to them? Like it just a, a cold email with maybe some screen grabs or do you actually send like a cold kind of ideal concept for that person based on, you know, you checking out maybe their Instagram or some of their other videos? Yeah. Um, Instagram is, is powerful. Uh, I mostly only ever do that through Instagram because mm-hmm. a lot of you know, with music videos, a lot of artists are on there doing that thing. Social media is king for them. So, um, so like, yeah, I, what I do is I try not to do like a, a CC type thing where like I send out 
a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. to a bunch of, I mean, I, I might copy and paste. I don't really do that. I like to, first of all, if I'm reaching out to an artist, I've already listened to their music. Mm. Um, because I have, you know, three, three rules for my, me personally. It's like, I don't shoot things that involve drug, uh, um, drugs. I don't mm-hmm. shoot things that involve, uh, gang violence and I don't shoot things that objectify women. That's very, two, three very big rules to me. So at that point, I, um, after I listen to the music and I find, Hey, this is a cool artist. I find a song that I really like. And I'm like, and I look at the stream numbers and it's like, will that benefit them? Is that their most popular song right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I reach out and go, Hey man, I have an idea for this song. And I, you know, I might put bullet points down. I might send references like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of times people don't reply, but it's the, you know, it's the one time that replies. If you can dedicate, um, it's the 10 over 10 rule, man. You find the top 10 people that you want to work with. And then you send, um, 10 meaningful, messages to those people um and yeah and you know if one hits that hour that you dedicated to doing that was worth it you know what i mean that's perfect that is perfect so i guess still keeping in the music video range because right now there's a you know as you've seen there's a uh, extreme flux in the growth of music videos uh we kind of touched a bit on it earlier in terms of you kind of got the videographers or people behind the camera who are just making music videos with the artist standing there. Like it's literally that type of video versus an actual conceptualized type stylized video, maybe with a story that has a narrative feel. Um, You don't see a lot of that. Have you noticed or have you had any type of that competition in, let's say right now for Nashville kind of, um, take an influx in as far as in your city where you see a lot more people going that cheap $200, $300 route? Yeah. Um, I like that a lot because I think that's a problem no matter if it's music videos or it's a uh, commercial work or if it's photo shoots, you know what I mean? Uh, I think that it's um, undercut, you know, undercutting is always a problem. Um, and yes, I've experienced it and I won't lie. When I first started before I was educated in the industry, before I realized that I was doing it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and once, and I think everybody, a lot of people start like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is frustrating. And yet I'll give you an example. Like, uh, I had a guy who he wanted a video and he, uh, he were, he was like, cool. I got my money. It was, let's do this. Let's, let's make it happen. We had a cool concept. And then, um, yeah, I guess he had a guy who would do that same concept. He sent my concept over and he had a guy who did the same concept for like 500 bucks. And wow. yeah, it makes you feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but at the, you know that's when you start to realize it's like I go back to like you should find yourself worth it's like the guy doing it for five hundred bucks you know the concept that I wrote was a you know a two thousand dollar production mm-hmm. um, for the guy doing it for five hundred bucks it's not going to look the same um, and and second of all it's like if I would have done it for five hundred bucks it's not going to look the same it's not going to be work I want to put out there um, so and you know I just I just I think I just hope at the end of the day I just hope that, that guy. Cause I was that guy once I hope that guy, like you know, two years from that point, he might be like, yeah, might be saying the same thing about some guy doing it to him. So um, nice. yeah, it, it kind of sucks sometimes, but in the day, man, put, you got to keep it moving. It's the same thing, you know, as not getting the client. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, you reach out to 10 people, you get one. So it's like, it's no different from that. Um, it is a problem though. And I, I do encourage people to understand your skill level, mm-hmm. but also understand your worth and your time commitment. If you want to do this full time, uh, it's not a smart decision to make $2,000 productions, $500. And even if you can't do it, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. resources, people stop providing favors after a while. That is true. <laughs> that is that true. Is, it's very true. Um, so, yeah. And that actually leads into my next question as far as um, your production company, these production company. As far as being a young filmmaker, like you said, if you're at this age where you're starting out trying to just create a reel or create some um, content to show and we're at that $300 range. What is for, let's say this, if a young person who hasn't gone to film school, um, they may be in a slower market. What is the best way to kind of find that crew or a crew uh, uh, to get a crew, you know, where you can start a production company and you're no longer one man banding. Um, yeah. What was your uh, process? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I think so how I did, it was kind of like a trial and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you find, you obviously find people that you feel like who are interested in or people who have expressed interest in what you do. Um, or you, or those people find you and 
basically you just work with them man and like uh, for me it was like it was like we all came up together type thing we all just kept doing it um and in the process you'll find people who just you find aren't as dedicated or who find other interests um and might not want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. but as time goes on you're going to find people who obviously and hopefully and you know be the grace of god those people uh also their skills become their skill level becomes to a point and everybody everybody's skills grow together um but like not only the people that you were with before but like you know recently i've been trying to do uh for instance i've been trying to do more narrative stuff okay and the fact of the matter is i shoot a lot of music videos so my name is not really in the narrative world mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. like i'm pretty much like a new guy to that you know mm-hmm. what i mean um so recently uh, i just you know i hit up guys that i admire and i'm like hey man I'll do some, and I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive to what I was saying, but I was like, Hey, I'll come on your set, man. Um, I got my own lights. I got my own, uh, my own gear. I can, I'll grip for you. For you. you know what I mean? Um, and you do that a couple of times and make those connections. Um, and the one thing that I do, like, for instance, like you come up with your own thing is like, I'll take my camera and take pictures behind the scenes of like the director. I'll just mm-hmm. bring my camera, you know, take some picture of the director, the DP, and I'll, uh, make sure I get their contact, their IG or whatever after the set and uh wait two weeks uh take the take some get those photos edit them send them over and be like hey man here's those photos i took some photos of you guys hope maybe you'll like them and and then what happens is they're like hey thanks man and by the way are you available for nice so like that's what's it, it's all about networking dude yeah. it's all about networking um, and it can be for, it can be kind of scary going into it your first couple times because it is a competitive industry and mm-hmm. a lot of uh you know, there's different types of people in the industry, but dude, if you just make connections, be a good person, um, make sure you're there for the right reasons, mm-hmm. work hard, and you show that you are a problem solver, um, things will work out. Uh, and that's, I think that's the biggest way of building a crew. Um, and before you know it, man, you'll be, you'll have people wanting, to, they'll just be hitting you up. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> for me, that's how, that's how it happened for me. Uh, they'll just be hitting you up like, hey man, I'm willing to help out. Sometimes it's too much and you're like, um, yeah man, if I hit you up, sure, like, we'll, we'll try to work together and then, Sometimes you forget, but it's like, that's just part of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> nice, nice. I definitely want to ask you, you know, I see, you know, I follow your IG. I see you travel so much. And even on your YouTube page, you have like a lot of travel uh, videos, a lot of places I would love to go. Um, when you travel to these places, are you traveling for yourself and you're just packing some camera bag? some gear in your camera bag or how's it about when you go travel across the country and you get these great photography and great cinematography shots? Um, that's a, I think it's a different route for everyone. But for me, I was like, I was blessed enough to make some connections with people. And, uh, I was working in these different places. I actually haven't traveled for luxury since last August, Hmm. which was in Iceland. Um, that was just for like going out for leisure and, um, chilling out and just trying to shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but make some connections, man. And that's how I was able to go out to Japan and like stuff. So it was like, I was working, which is cool. And yeah, I think it's a matter of just, uh, making those connections. And if you're, tr- and if you're trying to be a travel videographer, um, which I'm not, but like, if you're trying to do that, I think it's a matter of just, uh, finding what fits. I know I have friends who do that full time. Mm-hmm. and they're good at it and what they t- what they've told me is uh they've just you know they had to spend some money go to these places make really cool videos and then what happens is they reach out to brands stuff like that that's mm-hmm. a whole different, route. Um, whole that's a whole different. different route. i can't really yeah i can't really speak on that at all just yeah. because i haven't done that but for me it was like uh it was a matter of just making connections with the with some people who had like for the instance when i was in japan and indonesia mm-hmm. it was a. Uh, I was working for a company called Herbalife and we're shooting the galaxy tour for the LA galaxy team. Nice. And, um, yeah. And it was like, I just followed them around shooting them and that was cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a different path for everyone. If it's like, if you want you know, find someone who's, who's offering gigs out in these types of, in like in LA or whatever, and mm-hmm. go for the best. <laughs> <laughs> now for, I know you say you want to get into more narrative work. What does getting into more narrative work mean for you? Is that, um, screenwriting and creating more short films, or is that being um, seeking yourself out to work on different projects as solely the DP? How do you see yourself moving in that side of the industry? Right now, um, I'm at that I'm at that crossroads between whether I want to be a director or a DP. Hmm. Um, I think it's a hard decision 
Uh, it's definitely one or the other. Uh, but, you know, right now it's like I want to get on. When I say get into more narrative art, I want to get on sets with people who are doing short films mm-hmm. and doing uh, sometimes TV shows, stuff like that. And I think it's a good, it's just good to make connections. And eventually, you know, you'll, once you get to a point where you can make your own work, whether it be a short film or a show or whatever, a pilot, um, it's important to learn these different aspects of the, of the, of the set. So, uh, that's why, that's why I've been doing that. Um, and, you know, I want to be able to like communicate if I'm a DP, I want to be able to communicate with the gaffer mm-hmm. and just be like, Hey, man, you know, I just want it a little softer here. I want mm-hmm. light hitting this wall here and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what, um, what I mean by that. Um, I mean, as far as my personal goals, goals is like, I have a couple short films I want to make as a director and I'm going to hire a DP for that, which is kind of hard. You know, I'm sure you're like, you know, being visually like, uh, inclined with everything that you do, it's hard to hand the camera off to someone else. But if I don't like it, then I'll just keep doing the DP thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I mean. It's a, it's a, it's one of those, it's almost like when you first start, like it's one of those risks. Uh, yeah. It's just like, let's see what happens. Um, it's, so yeah, that's it's funny because um, you can talk to so many DPs and they'll be like, you know, that's the hardest thing to do because it's really two brains are working at the same time. You know, if I'm focusing on the, the frame, am I losing what I'm really trying to get from my actors, vice versa? So, no, it, it was difficult. I've shot two short films of my own and DP'd um, solely probably two series, a feature and probably two other shorts that I did not direct. And I know right there, for me, DPN is just like such a load off. Like I can go in there, communicate with my gaffer, have my ACs run around, like I'm in my zone. But it's like when you're trying to direct, produce it, write it, I'm still in that that, that weird phase of passing off the camera to someone else right now. And it's not for lack of you know, another DP not being good enough or not having eye. I encourage my whole team because there's a lot of stuff I can miss, you know. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, somebody associates an image with my name. But at the end of the day, for me on my end, it's like my team helped me to see something or added something, right. you know, together with it. And I think I think a lot of people get that mis, um, uh, misinterpreted as far as like a DP. A DP is a department head. It's not just one person, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's a collective team that are helping you establish this this image that you're trying to get. So, you know, I think people lose sight of that sometimes, especially young in the industry. Um, They associate the DP as the director or the camera guy or cameraman, which I hate those terms. But, you know, that's the kind of thing. So but it has it is difficult. Um, The only thing that keeps me inspired is Reed Morano the fact that she can go on to a series, DP it, direct it, and has kind of like navigated on a Hollywood industry level as being a Hollywood DP. She's right. navigated that plane to where she can kind of do that and it still be perfect. So that kind of inspires me. But as of right now, I'm kind of like you. I just want to kind of be either or when I do that. And right now, I still DP. I love the image too much to fully, fully commit to direct until there's a story I actually have to tell, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I've been I've been loving your your uh your work lately. Like especially the lighting. I think it's like that's definitely a point I'm trying to get to as Thank far you. as like how you're how you're processing skin on, on the camera with the light. And dude, it's it's looking really good. Um that's Appreciate one thing I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. As a DP, do you work with a do you work with a gaffer or do you like are you trying to are you doing it like solely yourself right mm-hmm. now. So, like lighting. so for me, it depends on the budget of the project. So anything that's like probably just going for maybe a two day shoot, maybe just my day rate. I try to have my gaffer. I have two gaffers that I kind of go to and they just assist me with the lighting. Any other smaller project for that, I kind of do it myself and what I've learned is I want to be able to know what I want and know what I need to be able to convey it to a gaffer as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know a lot of DPs that kind of just like, hey, I want this. Let's make it happen. The gaffer goes to work, you know, and just make tweaks here and there. For me, I want right. to be able to communicate 
how I want that to fall off a person of color skin or, you know what I'm saying? Cause we, we dealing right. with so many skin tones, so many different levels of lighting. I want to be able to learn that and then relinquish that for someone else to control sure, it. Sure. And I think it just makes your process move quicker. Um, makes your communication that work relationship move quicker. And, um, then they get used to working with you inside and out of, like you said, different people, uh, color, uh, Different skin tones, um, complexity, lighting setups, you know, because like I said, film sets, I do interviews, I do, uh, like you said, commercial work, all that type of things require different type of lighting setup. So for me, um, so, yeah, I used to I audition younger uh, gaffers as well just to kind of get the foot in the door. Um, I think that's an important position that you should want to know if you're trying to venture off to be a DP. I know a lot of DPs. Right, right. I know a lot of DPs that um, donate their time as gaffers on different sets or on small sets or even as um, pro bono works. So, mm-hmm. and a lot of that's just to increase that knowledge on lighting as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've done that a couple of times. I've donated myself to be an AC um, I donated myself to be a gaffer on a few sets, and I've actually brought back more knowledge as working on the other side as in the department instead of the department head than I have kind of just learning on the fly or studying. So, yeah, for right now, in, I know that was a long answer, <laughs> but um, right now, those that's kind of my approach to it right now. So mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to get away from the aspect of just being that camera guy, you know, or that said camera guy. That's a lot of terms that right. a lot of people who don't know what to call you, they just call you the camera guy. So that's when I moved. And I actually, if, if you saw recently, I just purchased um, Cine Tracer. And I think that's probably one of the uh-huh. best applications out there to help Dude. you with lighting, bro. Dude, I um I purchased that and it was, I, have, I bought it early. Uh-huh. And, uh and it was still in like pretty much beta phase mm-hmm. and like i could not for the life of me i could not start like it would, it would i would click i would get it i would have to restart it several times and really click it, and then it would work and then it would stop working um so i for right now i, I refunded it and just like i'm gonna wait a little bit because okay. from what i've seen if people are really on there creating like magnificent lighting diagrams as far as uh my goodness and then also just like practicing as well learning the tools yeah because the funny thing is, is and the thing is, it has like since then, it's like probably because Trace has been a while for like over a year now. But um, with the update that I have right now, I haven't had any crashes. It's been smooth. Um, I've completely like I have a short film that I'm filming. Uh, I just got hired on last week. So I'm starting pre-production uh, when I come back from vacation. So I bought Cine Tracer just to see what I could do, because it's going to be like a it's a one location diner scene. I was like, yeah. oh, man, I've never shot in a diner. I always wanted to shoot in a diner before. Yeah. So I literally built an entire set on Cine Tracer, like no maps, no templates, nothing. Built it from oh, scratch with the people um, standings. And I'm just loving how it's giving me a better idea. But the best thing I like about it right now, I know it's a tangent, but it creates a storyboard layout. So it screenshots whatever camera you set up. Exactly, yeah. And I just I love that. And I think I think that'll help as far as communication now better. You know, we always had that kind of breaking communication because it's like I can't draw, you know, but I can. I yeah, can. Then you, can <laughs> you can also choose like the light of day and everything on that. Exactly. On that Exactly. It's super good. (laughs) So I I love it for I love it for the you know, I know a lot of professionals that are using it, but I love it for the young industry as well. You know, who can't get a a storyboard artist or can't draw or anything or having to re-explain your shot list because someone doesn't understand medium close up, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very beneficial to anybody out there. I know it's a shameless plug now. Cindy Tracer, <laughs> but I'll uh, have to go try it out now. It's probably been updated a lot since I tried it. Yeah, man, it's it's really good, man. Um, like I, said, I don't know if you're running PC or Mac, but it seems to run really well on my PC. So it's been going good. Yeah, I got a PC. I'm a I'm a custom. Got that custom. Are you one of those PC master race? I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I need the power. I need um, the power. Well, speaking of gear, bro, I know you recently. Uh, did you acquire the Black Magic Pocket Camera? Yeah, or did you guys? I was hoping we could talk about gear for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, let's um, talk about some gear. 
yeah, dude, I had the Pocket Cinema 4K, the new Black Magic, um, with uh, and I got it rigged up with like all the all the stuff that comes with it. Uh-huh. I mean, not comes with it, but like I got the it's like small rig and everything, SSD and all that good stuff. Yeah, and it, dude, it's I'm I'm loving it. Um, nice. One thing for me is like I've all like for the past like for the past uh, shoot three years, dude, I just been. I have I own a, a like an old Sony camera, mm-hmm. like a Sony X three hundred. I bought it like two years ago, wow. and I never used it. Like just because I was renting um, cameras for productions, whether it be like the Ursa or the A seven S two or the Canon C two hundred or C one hundred and stuff like that. And uh, what was it was great because I was able to learn like what I like about a camera, and I was able yeah. to learn these cameras. Um, and then the pocket cinema came out. I was like, dude, this, maybe it's about time I buy a camera that I can use for a while. Um, so I, I got that one. Um, cause it was either that or the earth side. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, what? let me see. I can probably get two pocket cinema. And, and it's, it's kind of a challenge too, because, uh, it's not Ursa. you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's not a super 35 sensor or anything like that, but like, I'm loving it. I'm loving nice. the image that I'm able to create out, create with it, especially with that black magic raw update. I don't know if you've heard of, heard of that at all, yeah. at all but How's it's, that? It's, it's been real good. Yeah, it's beautiful to work with. It's not like uh, it's definitely like a raw light from the C two hundred. It's not mm-hmm. like uh, Ari raw, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, it has it has a lot of great uh, great advantages and pros because the fact that you can you know you don't you're not getting giant because I know with the C two hundred man I was you know I can only record I'm shooting a music video I can maybe get two or three performance shots with a three minute song. Wow. Um, Cause it was like so, so data heavy. Yeah. So story heavy, but with this, it's able to, so it's a really good raw format to compress that uh, or not compress, but to keep it, but a, a smaller storage mm-hmm. size, not to say like super small, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm loving it, man. And you're creating good, I'm creating good images with it. Um, luckily, but yeah. What about you? What are you, what are you, you still, if I remember correctly, you had the C100. I do. I, I still have the C100. So I actually got into the phase of, like you said, just renting everything, uh, especially with like share grid type sites where you can get, yeah. you know, some higher quality cameras for a really good price. Um, a reason I asked about the Black Magic, man, because I've been so tempted probably the last two months every time I go to B&H to just go ahead and get it. And I want it. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's definitely I think I think for me, other than the sensor size, which once you get to kind of our level, you start looking at, okay, what camera works for you, but what kind of sensor do you have? It's not always a red mm-hmm. conversation. It's not always an Ari conversation. We know those are the top of the industry, but right. it's always about your sensor. And that's when you'll have start having a real conversation. So I wasn't too happy about the micro four thirds on the sensor, mm-hmm. but just still looking at all the pro type features you have with your ProRes Raw Light, all those features. And I just fell in love and I fell in love with the image. And then I started seeing um, image comparisons like with Ari from other YouTubers. And I was just like, this is awesome. And then I see your work and I'm just like, it's like finally the camera molded to what you see. And so when I see like right, all right. your stills on Instagram, I was like, oh, yeah, that's complimenting him completely. You know, <laughs> I was yeah, like, it's, it's a beast, dude. It's it's actually surprised me um, as well, because I was doing the same thing. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like I, I watched the same videos you watched. I don't know if you've seen the guy who uh, did the arrival. He tried to copy yep. the arrival. Yep, that's the yeah, that's the same exact one. I think that was the army who was trying to copy. And yep. I'm, I'm just, dude, what the, if you can light it right. That's it. Like it's a great, it's a it's a beast of a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like, hey, you can get this camera and not get your, uh, get your your Canon C200 or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Or <laughs> um, but like, because it's not in comparison at all. Um, but like at the same thing, at the same time, man, it's if you can, if with any with any like camera though, if you can get behind it and mm-hmm. you have an eye and you can make it look and light it well and compose the shot well it's gonna look good um, for sure for sure cinema it's perfect for that it's like i like to call it the panasonic gh5 but better yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so wow. I, i'm very interested but on the sets that you've taken it have you had you know just a perfect experience um i know the first wave came out with some glitches and stuff like that but how has your experience been taking it on 
um, projects that you've been paid to shoot? Yeah. Um, so I've had, I had bought it like several months before um, it got to my house. It was so back ordered for mm-hmm. so long. Um, so what I look, I reached out to Black Magic and they were saying that they're, since they were going through the glitches and stuff, they were not sending out orders so they could get updated cameras. So mm-hmm. luckily, I got a good two bat. I got two cameras, so it's, I got a good batch of them. Um, hasn't had any problems so far. The only hiccup, and I think it's the biggest hiccup for everybody, is power. Mm-hmm. Um, getting power to the thing because of the batteries that it takes, those Canon batteries, I can't remember the exact one, but um, those Canon batteries, they it's it eats those a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they can't even they can't even take it. I've had multiple instances where my V mount that I use for it, which is they have a specific V mount that they've manufactured for it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just like it died. And where I was like, okay, cool. So for the instance, I'm like, until that thing charges up, let me pop in. I have several of those Canon batteries. Yeah. Pop in some of these. And some of them just did not like it would shut the camera would shut off, even though the battery's full. Really? Um, hmm. It just didn't have the voltage or whatever to, mm-hmm. to power the camera at 4K at 60. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I would say power is the biggest problem, but other okay. than that, man, I haven't had a problem with recording the SSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a problem with updating the camera. Um, I don't know if you've seen the slate features, mm-hmm. the slate features are all amazing. Um, the biggest thing, man, I really think the biggest thing is it's like, it's not, and for me, this is just, it's like, if you're a travel videographer, it might not be the camera for you. Mm-hmm. If you're strictly a wedding videographer, it may not be the camera for you, but if you're on set, you have time to build camera you have a first ac or whatever and then you're um building camera and you because it's a rig camera 100 mm-hmm. um I, I shoot a lot of weddings and i've had to i've spent a lot of time getting my setup ready with the, the pocket cinema because um it's just it takes a while to get to i mean it records the c fast and, and sd but they're not really good forms of media when it comes to shooting 4k at 60 um at, you know prores hq uh, they, they just don't have that that speed cap- and if you do want that speed capability you have mm-hmm. to spend four or five hundred dollars for a seat fast card if not more mm-hmm. um oh so, so you're shooting to the sd cards or the ssd ssd i'll go straight to ssd gotcha and since i have to rig that up man it's kind of hard to throw it on because i need a gimbal to throw it on like a, yeah. a one-handed ronin s gimbal for weddings and stuff and it's kind of hard so that's my only two hiccups man is like if you're if you're a guy who needs to do a lot of running gun or mm-hmm. if you're a guy or if you need um and if you're a big guy on like, I just need to throw a battery on there and it goes for a while, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to make extra purchases. Uh, I think a lot of people are confused at first. It's like it's that rich and I see that thousand, I think it's like $1,200 price range. Yeah. They're like, oh, cool. Yeah, let me get this. Um, but no, it's once you get everything you need for it, you're going to spend like maybe close to 3000 Exactly. That's a lot of people don't understand. It's like you're still going to need a probably about a, a smooth 1500 to 2000 to put into it. You know. Oh, for sure, for sure, <laughs> and that's excluding lenses. Exactly. Um, so yeah, in the Micro Four Thirds doesn't really have a good selection of lenses, as far as like, uh, I mean, it does, but like, you know, they're um, if you want to use cinema glass, you the only thing they have is those <laughs> those anamorphics, which are still low grade anamorphics. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you got the Vidra lenses, but they're not in production anymore. Exactly. And then, so yeah, you got to get an adapter, and the adapter from like can, for me, Canon to Micro Four Thirds. Uh-huh. Sensor is a like a six hundred dollar adapter. You you got so the metabones, like, yeah. the metabones, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that's the only thing that's like prevented me from getting it right now because it's just you have, like you have Canon glass. I do. Uh, I recently I just acquired some FD lenses though, so that was, those have actually saved me too. So I oh, got the cool. FD converter, but yeah, like like then there's some there's some affordable Micro Four Third glass that's out there. It's just like you said, it's not going to be the high quality that you're looking for trying to go into music video or you know narrative fashion. But you got to get the metabones and everything else that I've heard as far as like the knockoffs or like any other Micro Four Thirds to Canon lenses. You know, I've heard they work for a couple months and then they break. You know, so metabones right now kind of has that market on hold. For five to six hundred dollars, yeah, I, I can. I'm a you know, I, I would say the same thing. I have a Sony, I have a cheap Sony adapter, and that it just doesn't really do the job. The Metabones is definitely reliable, hasn't had a problem yet. Mm-hmm. And you have, if you if you're putting something between your lens and your sensor, you want good glass. And Metabones has the best glass on the 
on the market right now. For sure, for sure. Well, boss, well, I definitely want to ask you, man, we're probably going to start winding down. Is there anything, anything else that you wanted to kind of go into to uh, elaborate on? Anything you got coming on, coming out, working on? Um, I think uh, another another good thing to, to speak about is mm-hmm. just the overall mindset. Um, mm. And going into this thing is like, for me, there was a, a very long process of like, it's easy in this industry if you're trying to do it yourself. I think it goes with any entrepreneur journey. Um, or if you're trying to do something yourself, man, you're going to be like, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a lot of self-doubt. A lot. A lot of time you spend in your room comparing. There's a lot of time that you, uh, you're just like, I'm just not good enough. Or you, you just, you know what I mean? Um, I think it's important to just like keep moving. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I still do it to this day. Like I'm probably... I would say like a year ago, I'm, I was in my, I'm like, oh man, I'm just not good enough at all. You know what I mean? So it's like, even, even when people tell you you're good and they say, oh, I love to work and stuff like that, you're always going to feel like someone else is better. So I would say like, man, just for anybody who's starting, like who's just in that state right now, just keep moving, be confident in your work, go into every environment, letting people know that, you know, I can do this. Um, don't ever, you, even though you are down on yourself, like, it's the same thing with like, if you're not confident, be fake confident. Just walk into an environment and really take control of the situation. Um, and before you know it, man, you're just going to actually be good. People are, you know what I mean? And yeah. You're actually going to feel like that. So um, that, that's the last thing I got to say. What's the best way to get better at being a DP? Best way to get better? Mm-hmm. Shoot all the time. Um, shoot all the time. Always find an opportunity to learn talk with other DPs who you look up to or you think is better than you. Um, and yeah, I think the biggest thing is to shoot all the time and honestly watch videos, watch movies and about, and see how that would like really study a shot. Um, I know like for you or for me and like people like us, when we go to a movie, it's like, we see the story, but like when I know for you, like when I walked into Blade Runner, I was like, okay, how did they do this? <laughs> and there's a lot of VFX involved, but like still like, you know, you start to use those techniques. And I, for me, when I get on set, um, I think there's a misconception that like, from like people who don't know the camera or people who not, who don't shoot, they have a misconception that you're just like thinking about these images. Um, as you're on set and you're like, Oh, this is how we know. But like every time I'm setting up an image, I have a reference image in my head. Nice. <laughs> nice. And I'm trying to figure out ways to put a, tw- uh, like a twist on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you sound better than me. You yeah, sound yeah, better because yeah, like hard. people looking at, looking at me, there's like, what's he thinking about it? I'm panicking in my head. <laughs> it's like, I know. I'm a, I, yeah. It's always, uh, I'm always panicking. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm actually not a hundred percent sure how to cut down on this. On this this window right here, that's directly right. behind the talent. You know what I mean? <laughs> for sure. Oh man, no, that's great though, bro. Like I said, man, um, I think I think for a lot of young people, man, they got to realize there's a lot of bad examples out here, and it's not just call anybody saying, "Hey, you're not talented." When I say bad examples, I say, "Hey, you're taking a lot of shortcuts." You know, I think we're mm-hmm. in an industry now. We're in an industry now that everything's become so accessible and a lot of a lot of people are coming into the industry trying to be what they want to be. But it was so hard just 15 years ago for us to even be in this position that we're in now. I overheard an interview the other day of Samuel Jackson talking about digital and film and how digital has caused, you know, longer hours and longer days for production crews and everything because you mm-hmm. have unlimited amount of resources to shoot that doesn't necessarily mean you're shooting really good content that just means you have a lot of stuff to shoot when excuse me versus back in film you had to be very strategic very planned out because you're shooting on film that you didn't even get to see processed until two days afterwards you know that's that's true yeah so i i think i just take an account i love talking to dps like yourself because you know, if I invite you on, I'm talking to you. I think you're one of the ones that are doing it correctly. Um, I see you put Thanks, a lot man. of, yeah, for sure. For sure. You put a lot of thought into your work and it shows. It really does show. Uh, I think one of probably one of the best shots that I saw in terms of it might be more just on the production side is when you did a music video where you were tracking with the Ronin 
and you had a crew member and you track the talent. He started inside the house and then he starts like rapping outside and he goes through the door and you guys like, that shot was so worth it, man. And just for it to be a simple pass off on the own and like, that was a, that was a great shot. And I was just like, a lot of people don't really take that into concept. And whether you knew you were going to do that shot the day before or not, it's still that problem solving, troubleshooting, and then working with what you have while you're there. Fun fact, fun fact about that shot was that there was three, like we had uh, three guys. There was because there was a there was a window that we had to go through, and then a porch, and then that down on the bottom of the porch. Mm-hmm. And we and we were cut, we were pretty short on budget, so like the two guys that handed I was the last guy on the bottom of the porch, mm-hmm. but the two guys who handed it off have never touched a Ronin or a camera before. <laughs> really. Yeah, like wow. I, I just trained him up real quick. Um, real quick, I was like, "Hey, man, just point it in this direction, mm-hmm. and then, like, <laughs> don't go off this plane of existence. Like, just walk this way, hand it through the window, cool, and then I'll do the rest. Um, and don't yeah, drop that, that, it. That was, I love that. That's that's sweet, bro. So yeah, man. But man, like I said, man, I appreciate you so much for your time, man. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you carving out this amount of time for me, man. Um, I usually like to end on just one positive, inspirational note from yourself, man. Just one gear of advice you could give someone right now who's probably hit you up in your DM and just say, David, what can I do? Um, it's a hard question. (laughs) From your experience. Yeah, from your experience. One piece of advice, I would say... Just make sure you stay loving it. Um, just that's it can, it can go a lot of different ways. Just make sure you always love it because there's a lot of guys I know in this industry who are doing it just for monetary value and they don't seem happy. Mm-hmm. Um, just make sure you stay loving it. And I, most most successful people in this industry still love it. 